All right, let's turn our Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. So we began to talk about beating depression and societal thoughts. Uh, we began to talk about this from last week and we're continuing that ministry today. Let me say something quickly. Um, someone says, so how come things about suicide and depression are coming up now and they never used to come up before? Well, the truth is that they might have come up before, but the attention of people were not paid to it. The second thing that the pressure that is going on today is at the, it's like never before. There's so much pressure today that never used to exist. For example, what you hold in your phone and you call a mobile phone can be good pressure. I'm telling the truth. Sometimes some of you are happy until you see your friend post a picture that shows you or reminds you or how far you have not achieved in your life. So sometimes that can be there. So we're talking about how to overcome depression and societal thoughts. And you know, you really think that this teaching will apply to people older, but I've seen teenagers that will tell me they're depressed, they're going through a lot. I'm so shocked. I'm really very shocked when I hear things like that. You know, there's a teenager, there's a young boy that's 18 years old, and some of them are now on some kind of drugs because of all those things. So let's go ahead and look into the Bible today. Well, will you please turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withhold how he had killed or slain of the prophet with a sword. And Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not that life as a life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So the background is this that there was an apostolic revival and um, Israel before this revival had gone into idol worship. And um, Elijah came and do, did two significant things. So before this time, he had prophesied clearly that there will be no rain. And the second thing he did was the fact that he came and said, okay, if you guys have gone into apostasy and you think that your God is that powerful, bring all the prophets of Baal together. And you bring all the prophets of Baal together, call them fire. Hey, look up everybody. You know, when you read the story, there's a part of the story that we don't understand. That I want to explain today. The reason why Elijah called them the prophet of Baal to come and call them fire was this. Because the prophet of Baal were used to calling them fire. That was why they also accepted the competition. Because that was their forte. They were used to calling them fire. That was, their, that was their gift. That was what they used to do. They were used to call that fire. So Elijah said, okay, you know what? You guys can call them fire. Come and go ahead and come and call them fire. And you know the next thing he says? He says, the Lord that answered by fire, let him be God. Because if your God can answer by fire. So there are two kinds of miracles. Number one, it took the power of God to stop them from calling them fire. And it took the power of God for Elijah to be the one that will call them fire. Somebody say Hallelujah. That that's really significant. That's really significant. So, so when Elijah called on fire, Elijah said they should arrest all of the sons of them. Um, they should arrest all of them and what? And kill them. So they killed all of them. So Ahab the king went home and told his wife that, hey, see what Elijah had done. Of course, Jezebel was very instrumental in idol worship in Israel at that time. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah and said, hey, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. The significant thing I wanted to say is this. When he sent the message to Elijah... I thought Elijah, being an anointed man of God with very strong prophetic ministry, 
he was going to laugh it off or declare something upon Jezebel. But it's amazing how Elijah's reaction was just totally different from what we expected. First lesson here. What you think should be someone's response to a problem, you cannot determine. You know, sometimes as Christians, so, something can happen to someone and, if, and you laugh it off. And be like, is there a problem? And it will hurt the person because you don't know how it impacts the person. You don't know the state of mind the person is in. So, you know, for Elijah, I mean, I literally thought that would be no problem at all. That the queen was threatening you. You held the whole country to ransom. Now the queen is threatening you. I thought you would come with a prophetic word. But the way Elijah responded was different. Elijah took his things and began to run for his life. Let's see verse 3 now. So verse 3 says this. Um, so verse 2 was where Jezebel um, threatened Elijah. And verse 3 says, and when he saw that, now I'll take note of this. When he saw that, take note of when he saw that. That means that when Jezebel threatened Elijah, one of the things that happened to Elijah was this. It was not what Jezebel said that caused the problem. It was what Elijah saw that caused the problem. What do I mean? It's not what happens to you that makes you depressed. It's your interpretation of the things that happen to you that causes depression. <laughs> Glory to God. So watch this now. Some other people are delayed in pregnancy for three months, for three years. And when they're delayed in pregnancy for three years, so they're dealing with this no, no pregnancy, you say to them, how are you struggling with this? They say, no, the child not coming has made us come together. Someone else is delayed in pregnancy for three years, and there's no peace in that house again because I can't get pregnant. The same two people have the same circumstance, but the perspective is entirely different. Someone was fired from a job, and he says, thank you for giving me the opportunity to start my business I've longed to start before. Another person was fired from a job, he says, my God, my life is finished. My life is over. How will I feed my family? The Bible says, and, and when Elijah saw it, so when Jezebel threatened Elijah, what he saw was not an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power. What he saw was death coming. What happens to you is not as important as how you see it. That's why I tell people, we look with our eyes, but we see with our minds. We look with our eyes, but we see with our mind. How does that mean? And that's the same reason. Watch this now. That's the same reason why you will look at someone and say he's beautiful. You know why? Because the interpretation of beauty is how your mind sees it. Because someone else looks at that thing and says this is very ugly. Because the interpretation of something is how your mind sees it. So when something happens to you, what happens is not really as important as how you are looking at it. And how you look at it is how you are interpreting what happens to you. The same things. So, so someone says that, I don't know why my life is going through so much tough pain. I don't know why things are happening. I don't know why things are happening. It's so tough for me. My life is challenged. Things are tough. I'm being attacked everywhere. If you have been attacked everywhere, attack proves that something valuable is in hiding. You know why? Let me give an example. Have you ever seen thieves go and rob a hospital before? What would they steal? Dead bodies and syringes? Needles and what? And bandage. No, thieves don't rob hospitals. Have you ever seen thieves rob a bank before? Yes or no? Yes or no? Why? 
Thieves only rob where there's valuable. If your life is under attack, the robber is attacking you because you are carrying something that is valuable. If your marriage is under attack, your marriage is under attack because Satan is afraid of what will happen when two of you come together as a powerful union. Attack is a proof that something valuable lies beneath. Attack is the proof that something valuable. So it's a proof on the Bible. Every child was born, but only one child was born. That because he didn't find him, they killed all children. Who was that? Christ Jesus. Because Satan knew that something valuable was born. Every child was born. They didn't even notice. But there was one child that was born that the whole of all of the kids were wiped out because this child is the savior of the world. So when you go through tough times in your business, remind yourself that the reason why things are tough is because I'm carrying something valuable. When you go to attack in your career, remind yourself that the reason why things are tough is because I'm carrying something valuable. When your family goes through a tough time, when your mind goes through a tough time, remind yourself there's something carryable, there's something valuable that I'm carrying. The Bible says, and when Elijah saw it, the way he saw it, he interpreted it. How are you interpreting the decision of your life? The Bible said when he saw it, he arose and went for his life. It's amazing because the next thing, he went for his life. And he came to Bathsheba, and which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. And the second thing which he did was this. Well, the way he saw the problem began to determine. So, because he saw a picture of death, fear came into his heart and he began to run. What happens to you is not as important as what you see. What you see determines what comes into you. What comes into you determines how you respond to it. When Elijah saw death, fear came into him. When fear came into him, he had to run. What you see, do you see? And that's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know what that means? The same way, the same way we can see something by the natural senses, you can see something through the eye of faith. And you can see something else, how God sees it. Somebody say hallelujah. And the next day, Elijah went. And he let, when he went, he took all his servants, left them at home, and took off by himself. And when he took off by himself, you know what happened? He took his servants, abandoned him in a place. Listen to me. When you go through a tough time and you isolate, just remember you're ready for destruction. So, so what do you mean? Isolation precedes destruction. Listen to me. When people go through a tough time, the natural tendency is for us to pull away from people. I'm telling you that once you pull away from your support structure, once you pull away from people that love you, once you pull away from church, you are getting, listen, the salad cream is being put on your head. You are getting ready for dinner. Why? Because isolation precedes what? Destruction. How do, how do predators attack their prey? Very simple. When a group of animals are going in a cycle, you know what they do? The, the, the predator will look at them. And will look for the animal that is lagging behind. Most of the time, this will be the sick one or the weak one or the lazy one. So when all of them are going in a group, he will look for the animal that is behind. And that becomes the target. If you are the one that is behind, you become an easy target for Satan. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Anything that makes you feel that your problem is peculiar to you, Satan has put in your trap. Let me say that again. Anything that you go through 
that makes you feel as if your problem is peculiar to you, you are already in a trap by Satan. Because Satan is trying to make you feel as if there's something wrong with your life. You know how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He said, there's no temptation that comes to you that is not common to all. Financial problem, common to all. Marital problem, common to all. Being single, common to all. Relationship problem, common to all. Money problem, common to all. Which other problem? Common to all. Lost daddy, common to all. Lost mommy, common to all. Lost teacher. Choir, let's do our thing, right? Eh? Lost teacher. Lost uncle. (laughs) Praise the Lord. See, let me tell you something. The worst thing that can happen to you is this. For you to go through something and say, Lord... Why is my life so difficult? It's not true. You are over-exaggerating your problem. I know that could seem insensitive, but that's the truth. There's nothing that's happened to you that's not common to all. Someone said they seized my wife with us three times. There were those that seized their own eight times. Someone said that I'm 34, I'm not married. There are people that are 70 years old, I'm not married. Someone said, you know, I, I lost money. You heard the brother today that attempted to commit suicide. Because he lost money. See, you must stop thinking. That is where depression starts from. Depression makes you feel as if, oh, this is peculiar to me. It's not peculiar to you. Something is not even certain of God. It's just life. Praise God. I'm telling the truth. Some of the problems you have, you were born in another country, you don't have them. Glory to God. So by the time you begin to say, why is Satan attacking me? It's not Satan. It's just the country we're born in. Praise God. Because sometimes we Christians try to spiritualize all our problems. And before you know it, you will become a victim of prophets drinking oil and water because you really have over-spiritualized what you're going through. So we've learned something. Depression is perspective-based. That's key. Depression is perspective-based. It's not what happens to me that depresses me. It's how I look at what happens to me that causes depression. Number two, when you isolate, isolation precedes destruction. So when you have a problem and because of your problem, you isolate, you are getting ready to be destroyed. Your problem should not isolate you. Your problem should make you reach out for help. And that's why all of us are strong. The Bible always tells the strong people, hey, support the weak. Hey, support the weak. Hey, support the weak. Sometimes you don't understand how someone, you know, sometimes for some of you, Christianity, all of a sudden it's very easy for you. How to pray is very easy for you. For some people, they just struggle. They just have genuine struggle. If you're going to support them, you're not going to... See, you don't understand. You cannot criticize and support at the same time. If you're going to support people, you're going to try to understand where they're coming from and be able to provide them some help at their level. And that's all you need. And that's what I would say to everyone in this church. See, I was so blessed by that testimony, that brother that almost committed suicide and got help from the cell members. Do you ha- do you, are you able to belong to a men's ministry, a cell ministry, some ministry in church that when you go through tough times, there can be people that can just really support you? Really support you. So let's keep reading the story of Elijah. 
Glory to God. All right. So the Bible says this in verse 4. And he went at this journey into the wilderness and sat and came and sat under the juniper tree and requested for himself, watch this now, and after he had isolated himself, guess what now? Because if he was with his members, would he have been able to say, I want to die? No. The Bible says, after he had isolated himself, he requested for himself that he may die. And he said, it is enough now. Oh Lord, take my life. And this is the thing. When depression, hey, watch this now. When depression is not taken care of, it can graduate into suicidal thoughts. And when that is not taken care of, it can graduate into actual suicide. Can you believe? See, you don't understand. When they say Elijah wanted to come inside, do you know that in the whole of the Old Testament, one of the prophets that they spoke the greatest about was Elijah? As a matter of fact, when John the Baptist came, they said, my goodness, this is Elijah. Because he did the power that was exhumed by Elijah. Elijah, in the Bible, among Bible characters, was one of the foremost prophets. What would happen to a Bible prophet and make him become suicidal? If Elijah can become suicidal, if you are not careful, you can get on that part. And how, does, how do you become suicidal? You become suicidal because over time you become depressed, you become overwhelmed, and you are not talking about it. And because you are not talking about it, it begins to grow in magnitude, and now you become suicidal. Not too long ago, I got a phone call. When I was a younger, when I was a younger man, there was a young group I used to pastor. And there's this guy in the young group, his name is Inka. And I, got, and I knew I had moved to New York. And I got a phone call. And I said, Pastor, he said, what has happened? He said, Yinka, I said, what Yinka? He said, Yinka, I moved to New York five years ago. I said, what's wrong with him? He said, he's committed suicide. How? He jumped off a 40 floor story building. See, see, I'm only saying that to you now because, because, you know, like, whoa. See, some of you have talked about it before. But you've done nothing. And until you fix it. See, you don't understand. There are some things if you do not fix, the capacity to take over you is just close to you. You have to fix it. Number one, what are the causes of depression? See, there are many causes of depression. One, your relationship can be a cause of depression. The fact that you're married and your mind has brought you trouble can be a cause of depression. Number two, the fact that you have lost money can be a cause of depression. Career frustration can be a cause of depression. Number three, comparison can be a cause of depression. I, I, I have friends that are very rich. I have friends that are very successful. Some of them are 10. Your, your means right there. Your means my good friend from way back. Very successful. And sometimes when I look at their life, I'm like, my goodness, look at where I am, where I am in my life. One time, I, one time, one of my friends came to Nigeria, and I know that I think he lives in Texas, but he works out of Texas. So I said, how do you do it? He said, oh, I didn't tell you. He said, I bought a private plane. He said, what do you do? He said, so I fly out in the morning. It's a one-hour flight, one or two-hour flight. I fly out, I come back in the evening and pack the plane. When that guy told me that, 
and you are still wondering if you are trying to buy economy tickets or business class tickets. Yeah, you're still wondering. You know, <laughs> and now, someone is saying, I fly planes. So, so why, why are people depressed more often right now? It's because of one, see, why are people depressed more often now? Because of one simple thing. You know what it's called? Mobile phones. You know why? Those days when there was no social media, you had to go and find out what your neighbor was doing. Today, what your neighbor is doing is brought to your attention via your mobile phone. Some of you are having a good day until you go on Instagram. And all of a sudden, you see just this lazy guy that is a good for nothing. He's just lounging in one private beach in the Caribbean. And just with we Hennessy and with this and with that. And you, you are there. Looking for 20 and a half for Suya. Praise God. And there's a guy you have been preaching to. And you wonder that, um, is there something wrong with me? Should I be preaching to him or he should be preaching to me? Who needs conversion here? And I love Instagram. On Instagram, nobody is sad. On Instagram, everybody is rich. On Instagram, everybody is happy. On Instagram, everybody has perfect bodies. Have you noticed that? Perfect relationships. Because Instagram is a fake world. And if you compare yourself and live according to social media, you will soon become a social outcast. And this is, and let me tell you something. There are some people that are my friends I had to unfollow. You know why? Every time I see them, it's almost as if I wish them bad. And let me tell you something. I, I, I know you think that I'm being, you know, that's not right, but that's how most people think. You're sitting there like, you're like, Father, can you just kill him? Praise God. <laughs> Some people come to church, and when they say, that brother has a testimony, when they give the microphone, without even talking, just say, again, again. Because this is the guy that testifies every single time. When you come to church, he's the one that's always jumping, always laughing. And you just wonder, don't you have problems? Can I give you some problems? Can I post you some problems? Don't you have some good things going on in your life? Why are you not just being human? Praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, when we thought about overcoming depression and anxiety and, you know, suicidal thought, they're like, we're we, we, depressed. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Things are going from level to level, from glory to glory. Brother, in case you don't know, we just beef you. In case nobody has told you before, sometimes we just want you to go and join home fellowship somewhere very far in Akute. Praise God. What causes, what, causes, what causes depression? Delay. Delay. Do you know what it means to pray and the prayer is not happening? See, let me tell you something. This is why Christians may get depressed more often. When unbelievers, things happen to them, there's no God they believe in. So they will think, I'm being punished for my sins. But for Christians, because before you do something, you pray. And most of the time, you hear God. When things go wrong, the, the impact, ah yeah, the impact it has on us, like, you can't even believe that things could go wrong because before, before I took this investment decision, I prayed, I, I fasted, I heard the word of God before I got married to this man. I heard God speak to me. How can it go wrong? 
And so you begin to deal with this resentment you feel on the inside. There's a pain you feel almost like, God, why are you walking with me? God, why are you messing me up? God, why are you doing this to me? And if you have been honest, you know what that feels. You're like, God, why are you setting me up? Have you ever said, God, have you ever said this to God before? God, please, don't try me beyond what I'm able to be. If I've ever said it in your thoughts or your words before, wave your hands up. Oh, you are here in church. And, and you know why you say that? Because when you know as if someone is pushing you, I say, God, please don't try me. Because this is, you say, God, I'm human. You say, God, I'm human. Humans have capacity. Humans have limits. Lord, please do not try me beyond what I'm able to be. Causes of frustration, comparison, loss. I, I remember when my mother died. It, it, it's, see, when you lose somebody sometimes, sometimes you lose money, you lose a relationship, you lose somebody, it's like fire. It's, it's like fire that burns. You know, it's like they open up your chest and put like good fire inside and close it up back. So I said, what is wrong with you? Like, like it burns within. What's the cause of depression? Disappointment. Where you thought something will happen. Where you thought there will be a miracle. Where you thought something will come through. When you see your wife and you know, your husband is caught in infidelity. When you thought that by this age, I would have done this and this, and you look back, and those things are not achieved. And someone says, if people are depressed, how do you know? The number one thing that you know is this. When people are depressed, they become hopeless. They become extremely hopeless. Someone says, when people are depressed, how do you know they're depressed? Number one, they become extremely hopeless. How do you know they become hopeless? They just have a more negative view of the future than any other time. When they look at the future, they see it getting worse. That's why people commit suicide. You know why they commit suicide? Because there's nothing brighter in the future to live for. I could as well end it today. And if that's on your mind... You know why you're hearing this? Someone says, well, I'm showing depression and suicide. The reason why you're hearing this today is this. God is reaching out to you. That's why you came to church. See, you didn't want to come to church. You'd have stepped at home. You'd have come for another service. But why are you here today? Because God is sending you a word to help you out of destruction. Someone says, how does it do that? The Bible says he sent his word and redeemed us. He sent his word to redeem us out of destruction. God is sending you a word right now. You don't have to end it. You don't have to look at the future and hope it will not work out well. You don't have to look at the future and think it's over. You can believe that the future will be brighter. Someone says, Pastor, how can you say that? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know how much I've been disappointed? Do you know the pain that is going through my soul? Do you know the agony that is going through my spirit? I've fasted, I've prayed, I've called on God, I've done everything. And where is God? And listen, if that's your question today, knowing God, pay attention to this. 
Knowing God doesn't give us a trouble-exempt life. What did Jesus Christ, what did the Bible promise us? Psalm 23. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Hey, you are going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, though I'm exempted. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to have to go through. But guess what? Though I walk through, I'm not packing there. <laughs> the valley of the shadow of death is a walk through for me. It's not a packing face. The fact that my finances are not okay is a walk through for me. It's not a packing face. The fact that things are not going with my career is a walk through for me. It's not a packing face. The fact that my health is troubled is a walk through for me. It's not a packing face. The fact that my marriage is challenged is a walk through for me. It's not a passing face. I will not die here. I will have a testimony. And in case that's not good enough for you, Isaiah 43 verse 2, what does he say? He says, when you walk through the waters, he says, not that you'll be exempted from the waters. He says, it will not overflow you. He says, when you pass through the fire, you will pass through the fire, but it shall not burn you. You are going to pass through some marital fire. You are going to pass through some fire raising your children. Your child, your teenage child can go bonkers and crazy. But guess what? That child is coming back home. He will come back to his senses. You are going to pass through some fire in your marriage. But that thing is not going to destroy you. He says when you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. Neither shall this flame be kindled upon you. If you believe tonight, say Amen. Oh Lord, as we round up this morning, look at me, people. The worst thing that can happen when you go through hurts, and by the way, remember that I can't finish teaching. I can't finish teaching this today. Next to you, because many of you know people that are going through a lot, and you can do them a favor and say. I will pick you to church. I will bring you to church. Just after the first service, someone sent me a message from the U.S. From the U.S., I don't know if she's still watching. She said, Pastor Valaji, thank you that I stayed up to watch the service in Nigeria. He said, it's as if you were just talking to me, though I'm thousands of miles away from you, watching from the U.S. life. So next week, Sunday, is a Sunday you want to talk to family, friends, and bring them because this will really help them. The worst thing that can happen to you is this. When you go through pain and depression, to deal with it the wrong way. Have you heard in medical terms, wrong diagnosis? Have you heard about it before? What are, sometimes, the sickness doesn't kill people. It's the wrong treatment of the sickness that what? That kills people. Sometimes, the hurts, the pain, the depression doesn't kill. It's the wrong way we deal with it that kills. Sometimes, it's the wrong way we deal with the hurts, the pain, the depression that destroys and kills. Someone says, how do you mean? I'll give an example. Sometimes when people are depressed, instead of bringing their depression and hurt to Jesus, because Jesus is the master healer. You know, oh my God, you didn't get that. There's nothing God cannot heal. There's nothing Jesus cannot heal. 
Someone says, but he only healed sick bodies. You missed you miss the point. Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of God is upon me. Down, 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 down. It goes to a verse. It says, he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. What are brokenhearted? Hurting people, depressed people. He says, there is an anointing. There is an ability. There is an answer that is in me. That if it can bring your hurt, if it can bring your depression, if it can bring them to me, I can release something to you. You know the problem? You've carried your broken heart to men and men are broken in some more. You've carried your broken heart to people and people have spoken about it. It's time to bring your broken heart to somebody. Heart fixer, heart fixer. He is a heart fixer, heart fixer, heart fixer. He is a heart fixer. And who else will understand you than the one that made you? Who else will have a word for you than the word that was tempted just in every situation and tried like you are? Sometimes when you talk to people, they cannot understand you because they've not been where you have been. And you've not, if you've not been where I have been, you may not be able to relate to my pain. That's why I need someone, an high priest, that can be touched with the feelings of my infirmity. Because he's not just a talker, he's a doer. He's been there, done that, and he's now here for me, standing with me. Someone says, so what are the wrong ways to fix pain? Sometimes when people go to hurt, pain, and depression, you know what they do? They medicate their hurt, their pain, and their depression. Someone says, medicate it. Yeah. How do they medicate it? When people medicate their hurt, pain, or depression, they do something now to make them forget their pain so that it's a good feeling. So you see men, when they have serious problems, they go to Pastor Hennessy. <laughs> They go to Pastor Hennessy. VSOP. VVSOP. Original origin. Praise God. And they take it and they take shots and shots and shots. And when they take shots, it works. But it works for six hours. You know what they're doing? They are medicating their pain. Instead of, see, see, when people have pain, instead of them to deal with that by coming to Jesus, you know what they're doing? Well, they'll begin to look for an escape way. So they have a problem with their wife. Instead of them to deal with the problem with their wife, they find a mistress outside to fix it. They are medicating their pain. Instead of them to deal with a financial crisis, they, they, you, know, you know what they do? They, 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 they begin to go into some other things. They are medicating their pain. Question. Are you medicating your pain? Or you're going to be humble enough to admit that, hey, I'm hurting. And men, that's the one I'm talking to. Because sometimes women are generous with information. But men want to store it in. And store it in. And that's why you see, he slept on Sunday, morning, Sunday night. Then wake up again. Heart attack. Too much pain stored in the heart. Let me tell you something. The way depression is, it affects your health. Someone says, is that possible? Because your psychology determines your biology. You didn't get that. Your psychology, your state of mind determines your state of body. Psychology is the state of the mind. Biology is the state of the body. Your psychology determines what? Your biology. Have you seen people that nothing is wrong with but they are sick? Trust their mind. Trust their mind. One final scripture and we close. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look up a good. Amen. 
But we're going to believe God that burdens will be lifted. Yokes will be destroyed. We're going to believe that things that make people cry will be wiped out. See, see, someone says, I've gone through a tough time. The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. See, all I want to do is this. Don't be bitter towards God yet. Don't be bitter towards God. Because that's what pain. See, when you don't treat your pain, you start taking out your pain. A lot of the anger you see on social media are people that are bitter against God. Since they can't find God, they abuse the church and pastors. And there are people in church that don't believe in the power of God again. Why you say, let's fast and pray? I don't want to fast and pray. The one I've been doing all these days, has he responded? Pray. I don't want to pray. The one I've been doing, has he responded? Why are you not in the workforce? They will say, I'm busy. But behind that excuse, it's a strong disappointment that God has failed me. Why should I serve him? The first reason why I serve God is this. Let me help you. I don't serve God for his blessing. Because if I do, <laughs> listen, I'll be shaking very soon. I serve God because I love him. And it's a heaven to gain. The second reason is this. I have an attitude like Job. You know what Job said? Job 13. Job said, even if he slays me, I will trust him. I don't think God will slay you. But it's an attitude. I say, God, even when I don't understand you, I'm trusting you. I'm serving you. I'm standing still. Sometimes I don't understand that I'm a fighting Christian and things are not going well, but I'm standing still. Sometimes I don't understand I'm a prayer warrior, but things are not happening, but I'm standing still. You know, you know how many of you have stopped praying, stopped declaring the word of God, stopped fasting, because you really think that I'm tired. Do you know how many of you, even you're fighting, you've stopped fighting, and the reason why I just said, Lord, I'm just, see, don't mess around with me. I'm just tired. All my friends are not tightening and are doing well. Me, I'm tightening. Where's my life? What you don't know is this. A lack of trust in one area in God will slip into another area. And that's why if you notice, after some time, the people that do that will just stop coming to church. They will just begin to question every single thing. Because that lack of trust in one area begins to slip into other areas. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Verse 16, rather. Oh, Lord, help me. This evening, the cells. In the cell meeting this evening, cell leaders, please. All the cell leaders, and if you don't attend the cell, try to get to a cell this evening. Let people share their mind. And when they share their mind, let's gather around people, put them in the center. Let's hold hands together and support them in prayer. So that even if they are too weak to pray for themselves, God will look at our prayer and respond for them. Remember when Peter was depressed in prison? It was the prayer of the early church. The Bible says the early church was praying without ceasing for him. Married men, married women, married women, get along with other married women. And tell them and say that, see... All this, I shall be wear together, my husband and I, we are just pretending. All this blue, blue, we wear, he's just pretends. All this smile, he's just pretends. Our marriage is suffering. Things are going bad. And God, not lousy women, not talkative women. Women that when they talk, heaven responds. Let them gather around you in prayer. Shika laga laga, poko logo logo. And call upon God and make something happen. Men, gather with men. And let them know that things are not good with my business. For the past one year, it's my wife that I've been waiting on. It's my wife I've been leaning on. Not men that are proud and puffy and will compare and competitive no way we're talking about men and women of God that have power in their spirits that when they call upon heaven heaven responds I let them pray for you so this evening with all the things we're doing sir, we're going to pray for people 
people are going to talk. And if they don't know the closest cell to you, ask on social media, get information, stand. And if I've lost your faith in God because of the tough things you've gone through, let me say you something. Faith in... I'm too emotional. I want to say it in an easy way. When you become bitter towards God, your bitterness towards God makes it difficult for God to reach you. And that's a place you don't want to be. And that's a place many people have found themselves unconsciously. And if you lost faith in God because of something you're going through, listen to me. So this, so say, how do you survive? See, I wish I could tell you that I'm exempted from what I'm saying. I'm not. How do you survive? I've told myself one thing. No matter what happened, what, what does not happen, I'm better with my faith in God active. I'm always better. Glory to God. I'm, I'm better that way. Because if I deny him and go away, where am I going to? Will I go and look for Shango at this moment? I'm better with my faith in God. It's like someone that takes a gun, trying to shoot an approaching lion. The gun does not work. It throws away the gun and starts running. Is it not stupid? Even though the gun does not work, you will take the gun, keep running. You know why? The gun may still work. I don't know why your faith hasn't responded. I don't know why that's not happened. I'm not going to throw away my faith. I'm going to take my faith and keep running. That's a good place to clap. And for those that turn away, turn away their faith, bring back your faith. Go back to the place of prayer. Go back to the place of fasting. Go back to the place of giving and sowing and fighting. Go back to where you used to be. First Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, rather, verse 16. This is good. Are you getting blessed tonight? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh, glory. Verse 16. Huh. See what the apostle says. He said, for this cause, for this reason, we faint not. He says, for this reason, we faint not. He said, this is the reason why we don't cave in. This is the reason why we are not depressed. Paul is experiencing. We go through tough times also. But this is why we are not depressed. This is why we don't cave in. Why? Though our outward man perishes, though the outward things do not change, though things are getting worse, though the account is still in red, so the marriage is still in trouble, he said, yet the inward man is being renewed. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Paul says, he said, the reason why we don't faint is this, though things have not changed on the outside, but on the inside, there's a renewal going on. There's a renewal going on. There's a renewal going on. There is strength from within. Listen to me. What you use to fight, what you use to fight life's battle is not external strength, it's internal strength. The next verse. This next verse, it drops a bombshell. What does this say? See what it says here. He said, For our life. Did he, did he notice he didn't say your light affliction? He says, I'm going through it also. So the fact that you're going through something. He doesn't mean you're alone. Paul says, Paul with all of his faith says, Hey, our, I'm going through my own also. You have your affliction, I have my own affliction. He says, for our light affliction. Then he puts a word. 
He said, it's for a moment. That means it will come and pass. That means it will come and pass. The no marriage will come and pass. The financial pressure will come and pass. The no accommodation will come and pass. The delay will come and pass. The no job will come and pass. Why? Our light affliction is for what? A moment. And it's not just for a moment. He's working. There is a working. Hallelujah. You feel the pressure, but know that it's working. Hallelujah. You feel the pressure, but it's working. Hallelujah. The problem is this. You don't see the working, but you feel the pressure. But be assured that your light affliction is working. What is it working? And it's working an exceeding weight of glory. Something that surpasses what you're going through. Stand on your feet, let's pray. And this is the prayer, Lord. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to press in. Everybody pray. It'll be Hank's water. Let's pray. Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. If you've been discouraged, you've been depressed, lift up your hands and receive strength from Calvary. Receive strength from the Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Yeah. You know, let's say it could be really awesome. But I want to ask today are there people that are having depression, suicidal thoughts? Can I pray with you? Anywhere you are, lift up your right hands and I'll pray with you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. I'll pray with you. I don't know what it's cost, but I'll pray with you. Lord Jesus, I pray for all our brothers and sisters going through a tough time. Depression, suicidal thoughts. I pray that the strength inside will be activated. So much so that they will be able to overcome this season. They will come to an understanding that it will come to pass. They will have victory upon victory. The things that made them cry will become testimonies. They will also have strength to go through the season. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Did you receive that today?